Here we go. So um, what's up, Miller? Why don't I... Um, so this is an emergency podcast <laughs> that I literally texted you about three hours ago and was like, hey, what are you doing this afternoon? Can we have an emergency podcast? Yeah, um, you know, we've talked what? about doing this for a little while now. You know, you and I getting together and recording some conversations. So I was glad that you prompted that with your kind of, hey, I've been thinking about something. Let's get together and talk about it. Yes, exactly right. So this is something we were talking about just this past week. We should do this maybe once a month. And then, you know, as it turns out, something was burning and I texted you and we just were like, let's just schedule this. We'll figure the tech out. So hopefully it works. But um, we are thinking of doing this once a month, right? This is what we were saying last week. Anyway, it's, it's too late to turn back now. Just commit to at least once a month, do a podcast together. Well, if it's this easy, why not? Let's go. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, so we'll figure out the we'll figure out the details. It could be that we record it and then I release it on my podcast, and you release it also on your podcast. It'll be out there either on one or both or whatever, right? Yeah, I've been wanting to kind of reboot my podcast and get it going again. You know, the move up here to Ohio and everything, the life changes happened, and I just did not keep up with that. Um, but I've been feeling excited about doing that again and I've, I've got the space to do it now um so it was good good prompt for you to go hey let's just get together and, and talk so we can i i'm gonna re, you know share this on my podcast and hopefully my um, awesome. audience will get some help from you know get some benefits from it and be will enjoy it and i trust perhaps yours too so i'm excited about it Hundred percent, and um, let people know the name of your podcast. That way, they can have. Yeah. So my name is Patrick Miller. I have the Urban Amish Show. I am on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all the places you might expect. I haven't recorded anything for. It's been over a year since I've been just letting it sit dormant. So, um, those of you who have who hit the follow button earlier, you, this is going to show up for you, and I'm glad you're here. Absolutely. And um, I mean, just go ahead and give people a 30 second Patrick Miller, Mary, kids. Yeah, we're in Nashville sure. for a minute. Now back in Ohio. Let, let people know. just for Sure. Brief. So my name is Patrick. Like I said, I'm, I've been married for over 20 years. We have four kids that are between 14 and 21. And we just moved back to my home area of Sugar Creek, Ohio, this summer after living in Franklin, Tennessee, just south of Nashville for seven years. I've been out of my home community for over 20 years, and I've learned a lot coming back. Um, it's been a good journey. It's been an integral part of our journey as a family, um, coming back home and everything that that means. So miss my friends in Nashville, you for sure, and your wife, and Kent, it's good to see you. But we've been um, really enjoying coming back here and getting settled back in. Yeah, super, super happy for you guys. The place you have there is beautiful. The country looks beautiful. You're in the middle of an Amish community, which you grew up in, and it's fantastic to see. Your, your family's always been super encouraging to us. So, I, you know, it's funny being back to, here. to see you guys flourishing where you're at. Oh, thanks. Since we're back here, I've had to think about my the sh the na the sh name of my show the Urban Amish show and how that Urban Amish moniker has been kind of my online handle 
ever since I've been online. I remember when I first signed up for a Yahoo account when the internet was new. Um, I picked Urban Amish as a handle because I thought, well, I like, you know, I come from the Amish, but I like, you know, the things of the city, let's say. I like modern design. I like, um, you know, culture and art and all the things that might, one might find in a big city. Um, but I'm also drawn to things of my people and being back here among my yeah. people. Um, it's been it's been good to re reconnect with that side of things and notice a yeah. lot of the things that I love about that. No doubt. Well, people are going to get this on my podcast, too, because we're going to release it there also. And so what I have. So married five kids, Nashville, Tennessee have been involved with, uh, I guess, business or entrepreneurship, now executive director at our church, and um, looking forward to what the future holds. Now, just a real thing, the quick say, thing to say to my audience, if I could, Patrick, is I've done various different podcasts before, and, you know, we used to say business, theology, lifestyle, then it was the Gospel Business Strategies podcast, then we had but then we had trouble defining it for a number of years because I wanted to have the ability to talk about anything. And as we reboot this now, because I'm going to just reboot it. I mean, the main thing is I might just get on with you once a month and that's it. Um, but I'd like to be able to possibly drop in more. It doesn't matter. I had Colby helping me was the last guy and he did an excellent job. He created the video intro and I thought he did an awesome job on that. It was his brainchild. He, his whole thing, he just told me what to do and that came out. I thought kind of cool and he did a great job, but He's kind of getting involved with stuff. He doesn't have time to come over and do the podcast anymore. And um, so we're just going to, you know, wing it on our own. And I think I'm going to define it, Patrick, going forward because it's as uh, business, Christianity, and life. It's those three things. It's just business, theology, lifestyle said differently. I actually, for a season there, I was saying believe, build, enjoy. Like, what do you believe? What are you building? What do you enjoy? But at the end of the day, it's all different ways of coming back to those three buckets. That's So for my podcast, that's what it's going to be about. Business, kind of Christianity, the things of the Christian faith, and then life, you know, which obviously covers quite a lot. The human experience, that type of thing. Those are the three buckets that, as I have thought back over the last decade, basically, fooling around with podcasting, it's always come back to those three. So I'd like to define mm -hmm. it a little bit more for people going forward because, you know, I'm not famous. No one knows who I am. And the Famous people can get away with podcasts talking about whatever they want, but the rest of us kind of have to have a little bit more clarity on the front end for people to know if they want to listen or not. That makes sense. I like that. Um, I think my personality is such that I am interested in a broad array of things. So there's a lot of, there's a broad array of things that catch my attention. And so I like the idea of not having that predefined, you know, you've got to stay in these guardrails, but that kind of fights with the idea that you just brought forth, which is people need to know whether this is for them or not. Um, so I think that's one way to, to do that. It's good. I don't think I've, I'm able to quite define down what it is that I want to talk about. Although I did, I, I do have this sense and it res I really resonated with what you said about building because there's a sense in which I look around and I'm seeing builders and I'm seeing destroyers. You know, there's people who are just tearing stuff down whether that's at a cultural level, an institutional level, family, there's a breakdown. But then I also see people building and they're building, you know, they're just leaning in, they're spending themselves and they're returning to what really gives them life. And they're just building 
the future. And it's those people that I'm most interested in talking to and, and having conversations with um, because I'm excited about building the future and I'm enjoying the present, but I, I have a vision for what the future holds that is beautiful. And I want to move towards that. I want to build that future. And I'm really interested to hear from people who are also building that future. I think it's easy to pay attention just to what is getting destroyed and what is being torn down. And that is happening. There's no question that culturally, institutionally, as a country, and in our families that the barbarians are at the gate and frankly, they've overrun the gate and they are, you know, the screaming hordes are, you know, rampaging through what is left of our culture and our communities. And, you know, it's easy to get your eye on that and to just notice all of the destruction around you. But I also want to spend a lot of time talking about what it is we're building as an alternative. I love that. And that brings us actually perfectly into the reason for the emergency podcast today. Uh, so I think what I need to do, Patrick, and, and I'm sorry about this, but I think I just need to like say a lot of words. I need to kind of s almost like present what yeah. I'm thinking and what we were talking through. Is that okay? If I can just sort of, okay. If I can just sort of like blob it all out there and um, I mean, Feel free to interject as, as it makes sense to go through, but I kind of feel like I just need to say a lot of words and then we can discuss it. And this is not going to be normal. It's just on this is Sunday afternoons we're recording this. Literally during church, I texted you and was like, hey, any chance an uh, emergency podcast would work this afternoon? Because I've been wanting to talk about this with someone since we kind of lit onto it on Thursday night. Thursday night, I was sitting actually in this exact same seat and we were dude, life is busy for us right now, bro. It's crazy. It's it's awesome because honestly, it's like I'm too busy right now to be down. I'm too busy to be depressed. I'm too busy to, I'm like really too busy to have a bad day, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which still still have some, but um, Mariana's going a hundred miles an hour. I am too, you know, um, you know, we're in a little bit of a rebuilding season in our life right now. And that takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of time. And so we're just sort of having to really prioritize, you know, I guess the most basic things. And right now we're not doing a lot outside of just the core things that need to get done in terms of what's important with, with in this rebuilding phase. But anyhow, Thursday night was a very rare sort of moment where Mariana was sitting over there on that chair and I was sitting in this seat and we, um, well, a lot of times, I'll play like a nature video on YouTube just because, you know, it's it's kind of funny. But in 2023, you know, that actually is a way to connect with nature. You know, like there's a huge, you know, screen and you can put like the you can put the earth on that screen and, you know, you're not out in it. It's no replacement, but you can at least sort of as you're talking, whatever it is, background, if it's the type of thing, you have some background music on or whatever, or just that sometimes I'll just have that up when I'm working. You know, nature is so awesome and beautiful. And mm -hmm. so we were down here talking. We had a, a little bit of a, a free evening, which is super rare. And here's the TV. And the TV, we have this nature video. And uh, one of my friends was just in um, Geneva, Geneva, Switzerland, right? I think so. And uh, he's just got there for two weeks. And he, he texted me a picture of him and his wife with the background. And, you know, it's super mountainous and it's all snow-capped. And they're, like, in the clouds, basically. And when you think about like 
wow, that is on the earth. And then you can also go to the other earth, other parts of the earth. Well, like Nashville for, for starters and the ge- geography here is, is one thing. And then you go out to Phoenix, Arizona, it's a complete other thing. And there's such extremes on this earth that it's actually kind of hard to believe sometimes it's the same planet. Like mm-hmm. if you were to look at different places on this earth, you would think like his picture was one planet and then, you know, Phoenix, Arizona is another one. And, uh, and then Maine is another one. And, you know, but it's actually all here on this planet. So we had the nature video sh- up showing and it was like beautiful, beautiful scenery, but it was the earth. And uh, Mariana made the comment like, you know, it's hard to believe it's all going to burn up one day. <laughs> and so it was like, well, let's think about that for a second, because I'm not sure that it is, but let's explore that. But first, let's think about this is if you if you. OK, so I get the, the, the thought process that, hey, what if there's infinite universes, what if there's multiple universes? What if everything we do here is duplicated in infinite amount of times? Okay, maybe that is the case. Maybe it's not. It doesn't seem super likely. But let's just say for a second that you were to explore, you could explore the the universe. Okay, I think it's entirely possible that if you could go exploring, you go off Earth, you go go out of the, you know, you go into space, you go out of our solar system, you start getting way out there in the in the past the black zones and the black holes and the all the all the stuff like. You can just, and the, you see the different planets, you see Mars, you go way past that, obviously, and you're, you're seeing all of the different stuff out there. It's possible, and I don't know if this is the case or not, but it's possible. There's nothing else out there like Earth. And you do all this exploring, and you see all this cool stuff, all of the various galaxies and the infinity of everything that's out there. And, and then you come all the way, zoom in way back, and you come to Earth, and if truly Earth is the only thing out there like this, then there's more going on here right now than we might be thinking. It's possible that it's possible that one of the it's possible that basically heaven is already on Earth and we just can't see it. Now, and I'm not saying like it's fully here, okay, but it's possible like when you think about like the already but not quite yet type of situation. Right. Um because if you if, if there's so much space here and it's so beautiful, if you were to think about let's remove the veneer of sin, let's remove the bullshit, let's remove the pride and the greed and the arrogance and the destructiveness and all of this, let's actually just remove all of that and let's have no more death, but let's stay here on earth. I mean, shit, if that's not heaven, I don't know. It's going to be tough to do better than that. And right. because yeah. the, the, the places to explore here, the beauty and everything like that, and and maybe it gets even a little bit better somehow. But, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. That's icing on the cake. That's fantastic. My point is, though, is I just kind of wonder if more of heaven actually isn't already around us than we normally give it credit for. But we can't see it because our eyes are darkened. And um, and there's a veil that hasn't yet been sort of removed yet, but it will one day. Okay, so that's one thing. Now, thing two is if you think about God as like, so like God the Father, like the this 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 powerful this life form this being this divine nature energy it's hard to describe because it's god um but it's like the source of everything that is good and right and pure and true and loving and kind and and it's the source of everything that is good and true and beautiful and Mm -hmm. and this this thing this 
this being is love. Um, right. And and it is not a person. And we are we are not going to see it. Is is what I believe. And I could be wrong. Um, but how do you see the wind? How do you see? How do you see this God, the Father, this very substrate or subfoundation, or like the foundation of all existence? Like mm-hmm. from Him came forth everything. Um, yep. How do you see that? You know, it's almost like in some terms, it's in some ways, I almost sometimes almost think of it like um, I mean, I hate to say an algorithm, but like a like a like the the, <laughs> the substrate of our entire being. Mm-hmm. Uh, from which everything was created and designed and everything good comes from. But the biggest part of this is, is the everything good and true and beautiful and righteous coming from this. And then of course that God is perfectly sort of encapsulated or, or, um, or uh, revealed in Jesus. Right. And, and also Jesus is God, but it's a different sort of, you know, Jesus, I think we're going to see, but, 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 but God the Father, I don't think we're ever going to see. He's he's um, it's not a it's not physical, you know. Right, um, right. And I could be wrong on that. And by the way, I just I actually wanted to make this point um, before is I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. I'm not educated in these in this in this space. Um, I could be wrong, and I don't really care if I'm wrong to be honest. So the one thing though that you can't you can't say if someone's listening to this and I start to make him a little nervous or whatever is you just. I don't think you can say that I'm a heretic. <laughs> you know, like I feel like my I- I- intentions are pure. I feel like I am trying to follow this God who is bigger than I had originally thought quite, quite much. And, um, and, and you know what? And I could be wrong and maybe I'm just naive and, and that's, that's fine. Okay. I would really happily admit that, um, that, uh, that I'm not a theologian, but, um, but I also think that, you know, God has these treasures out there and we feel like we've been, you know, hitting some treasures, um, not, not necessarily like, you know, all day, every day, but we've bumped into some significant ones. And I kind of felt like on Thursday night we bumped into another one. All right. So so this this God. All right. So then you have then you have this earth. And if it is possible that this earth is actually it already has heaven on it it has heaven around it heaven is actually way more here than we can see and but there's some there is something going on here right now it, it's like there is a bubble of sin around everything and that is is what allows the bullshit that is what causes the greed and the pride and the selfish ambition and the impatienceness and the anger and the lust and the the murderous intent. Um, look, there's real evil and 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 that that is what allows for all of that to exist right now. This sort of this bubble. It's it's around the earth, but that bubble exists if you go to the moon, that bubble exists if you go to Mars. It's actually sort of like maybe I don't know how big that bu- that bubble is right now. Maybe it's all of creation. I don't really know. But it's definitely we experience it here and and God, this, this, the, the God, um, where all good and true things come from and righteousness, righteousness is, um, and justice and mercy. And it's these things that are, that come from God. It's 
God is so powerful that if what we have right now is we need to be shielded from that, basically, for there to be any room for sin. And if that bubble, one day that bubble is going to burst. And it's like this, this righteousness, this goodness, this purity, this love, all of the, this, the, the, this, this right, this good, um, force of nature that is God is, is going to blanket everything, everywhere, all at once. And when that happens, all of the sin, all of the bullshit, all of the selfish ambition, all of the pride and greed, it, it has no chance. In other words, what I'm saying is, is it possible that the, that the, um, the flaming fire, the consuming fire is actually God's righteousness, not his mm. wrath. Mm. And, and when that happens, when God is fully unleashed everywhere, all at once, that bubble that surrounds us right now that is essentially protecting us from the severity, the per- pervasiveness, the unstoppability of everything that is good because if that were released right now we wouldn't have there you can't have any i I hate to use the word i kind of hesitate to use the word sin because it's so generic but you can't have anything that is less than pure survive when it meets the purity of god right right and so the only way we can have anything that's less than pure right now is because this bubble of maybe it came from sin, whatever it is, but it's this, it's almost like this, this balloon around us that's protecting us from God in some way, at least for like the full force of his goodness. And one day that bubble is going to burst and everything that is not good, pure, true, loving, etc., is going to get burned up. It's going to be consumed because God's righteousness and purity is going to be everywhere and it's going to flood the earth. And there's going to be parts of us that get burned up in that because we also have a lot of bullshit. We also have a lot of dirt and filth and misguided um, intent and mistakes. And, and, and we have bits and stubble um, within us and around us, and that's going to get burned up. Now we also though have righteousness and we have goodness and that's going to stick. And so mm-hmm. the things that we do now that are building, it's what you talked about earlier, kind of like that are actually of good that are building. It might be, it might be making freaking sourdough bread. Um, right. Those things are going to stay, but the, the rest gets burnt up like the wheat and the, and the, and the chaff and the stubble. Now, some people don't have any of that sort of rightness with God within them and and when this gets released unleashed um there let me put there are people that are going to um be consumed by this flood of righteousness not just pieces of them but all of them and and um and and it and it Okay, so the big idea is, and let me get to there in a second, but just the idea that 
so here, here's the big idea too was was which I already touched on was like okay well is the world going to burn up in a flaming fire so I just googled on my phone and we looked up 20 verses and Patrick I couldn't find a single verse that that stated that the earth is definitely going to burn up right. most of the verses were talking about the things of the earth and most of the time it was talking about um the heavens and the earth. So, mm-hmm. golly, if the earth is going to burn up, then the heavens are burning too. I mean, shit, how far out is that going to go? I mean, what, are we just going to burn this whole thing up and start over? <laughs> like, it's all of a sudden like, oop, clean slate? No, I actually, I don't think so. And when I started to read these verses about burning up and, and, and thinking of it in terms of the burning up is God's righteousness flooding everywhere, of course it's going to burn up. Nothing bad can exist when good is that powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and, and there was actually one verse, I think it was in Second Thessalonians that um, I could try to find is uh, it actually, it was very interesting because it actually said something about the fire basically that is of the, it was something like the consuming fire that is of the Lord or something like that. Um, and it was sort of like falling in line with the working hypothesis I have going about this fire actually being God's righteousness, not his wrath. And, um, okay, so then the question is, all right, but then how about the weeping and the gnashing of teeth? Well, um, here's what I wonder, Patrick, is, um, and and this was congruent with at least all the verses we had looked up so far, it it is, um, and it's also congruent with some of the things that some, um, you know, pastors and theologians that have been talking about that I've heard briefly talk about this idea that hell is less of a physical burning fire that you're just stuck in forever and more about separation from God. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of wondering if, look, if it's true that that only the things that are good and righteous remain and everything else burns up, then what's going to happen is if you are not of God or in Christ in a way um, that you are, your soul is going to be extinguished. Mm-hmm. And if, if you don't there have is eternal life. A sh- yes. If you don't have eternal life, then you're not going to live eternally. Uh, right? I mean, just the very definition. You know, and and but there's a period. Okay, so then how about the weeping and the gnashing of teeth? Well, I kind of wonder if there's a a period of awareness, and I don't know how long that period is, but um, like judgment there, day. You know, right now there's um. Let's come back to judgment day. This is more like um. Well, first of all, you know, a lot of people are already dead, and there's. There's good people and there's evil people already dead. And at some point, those who have eternal life are going to be resurrected and they're going to live again in their, in their human bodies. But I'm not so sure that the evil people are, if you don't have eternal life, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it says anywhere that you're going to get your body back. Right. Which means, which means their bodies are already dead. They are already dead. Um, their soul, though has not been extinguished yet. And I don't know what's going on with that soul right now, but at some point, probably judgment, um, 
they're at some point their soul is going to know that what their destiny is and that destiny is being extinguished it's being burnt up as stubble and there's possibly some drawdown period where the soul knows the direction it's heading and that direction is nothingness that direction is the ceasing of existence that direction is if their soul was a candle um it's getting it's getting snuffed out and it's gone forever um and their life will be like ash and it will be over and the flame is out and mm-hmm. if if you were aware in in this period of awareness where there there was this this is the reality of what's going on there is this god but by him all things come that are good and true but you didn't want that and you were opposed to that and then now you're 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 being basically separated from that forever and your soul is being snuffed out your body's already gone it ain't coming back you don't get to walk around with the saints you know for some period of time you don't get to be that close to them again your your body's over it's already over your body's gone um but your soul though has is has has some amount of awareness possibly even right now but at some point it's going to know with absolute clarity it's getting snuffed out and on that drawdown period when it knows that it's going to be done forever i mean that must be hell that that must be to to know god and then to know that you are being separated from him forever and that you are being going to be snuffed out forever must be absolute hell so that's what i just wonder about like the weeping and gnashing teeth in the future um that is for those that don't have eternal life and you know when you compare that to um you know this idea that for all of eternity you know we're here in the new heavens and the new earth and we just kind of every now and then we think of those people kind of you know a few uh, solar systems over that we just kind of know we're still walking around physically in physical fire i mean that kind of sucks you know i mean i don't know enough about this to, to say for certainty that that's not going to happen i do not know but there's something a little out of step with this idea of like it's a physical fire over here burning and there's people wandering around it forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and they can't see the their hand in front of their face and they're they're on fire for freaking ever like yeah. there's something about that that seems a little out of step with kind of the narrative of things and again i wouldn't you know stick my life on it i just i just wonder if maybe that's maybe it's less about a physical fire and more about the the snuffing out of the existence of a soul, which is pretty horrifying. Um, So, so that's what I just wonder about, like, you know, God's righteousness and goodness flooding the earth. And that is the fire that is going to consume everything that is not good. And the Bible does talk about, you know, things being burnt up like chaff and stubble and all of this. And, and even the refining fire, because see, parts of this is already happening. You know, parts of us are already sort of, because this bubble sometimes like stuff comes into the bubble, you know, like you get a little bit more of a glimpse of God. You get, it's not like it's, it's not like it's shielding you completely from God. I mean, my goodness, the only reason we're talking about this right now is because enough's getting in and every now and then like more gets in. And sometimes you bump into, you know, like a little extra and like, and you can pull it in. Like this is the work we're doing now is we're pulling more of God already now inside this bubble, basically. Um, and we're already building heaven. We're already building the new heavens and the new earth. And it's not going to all puff up in flames and go away, and then we're going to start over. But rather, this is the refining fire I'm talking about. Thoughts? Well, I think 
the the verse that came to mind while you were talking about the refining fire is in Second Peter three, verse seven. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being they are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. So this idea that the ungodly will be destroyed, you know that and. My understanding is that the ancient language here used for that fire doesn't give the sense of a destructive fire, but of a purifying fire, which would go right in line with what you're talking about. And I do believe that the fire at the end of time will be a purifying fire. I do. I'm convicted that everything that we do in love today, that we build in love, will prevail and is a part of eternity. Yes is a part of our eternal life. And I believe you're on the right track here with this thought that the judgment and the fire at the end of this age will be that that awareness of that revelation of the purity of God's love and righteousness and goodness and beauty. And that that revelation will burn away everything that is not sufficient, everything that was not done in love, everything that was not, you know, in right relationship, in the right patterns. You know, if you think about um, everything, all all of our present matter being mostly tied together, particles tied together with energy, you know, if you go to a, everything's made of molecules, and you know beneath that there's atoms and then there's subatomic particles that make up the atoms and it turns out that there's actually a very small amount of particle for a relatively large amount of energy that makes up each atom you know it's just particles bouncing around in an energetic pattern that makes that atom and then that makes that molecule and that makes that material that you think of as ultimate reality which it's not it's just, you know, the, that matter that is held together. And, and this matter behaves in predictable ways. You know, God has created the universe such that that matter does behave in ways that we can predict for the most part. So we can put things in right relationship with each other and put them in order and, and all of that. But the, if they are, if, if, if matter is mostly small particles held together with energy, there's a pattern to that energy. There's a source for that energy, which you talked about source. Um, and those so that source, if we think of that as creator God, and we think of those patterns, the patterns that the energy vibrates in as being ultimately a part of wisdom, is I think of wisdom as the revelation or the discovery of the ultimate patterns that govern our creation and our universe love being the highest pattern, truth being in service to love. And, you know, you go on down the hierarchical chain of, of patterns and energies, all of that, that, that are a part of our experience. Gravity, for example, is a pattern. It's a, it's a predictable way that we know that, that matter will work, let's say. Um, so I think when that, you know, there will come a time when the energy, like when God's, when God re, he shows up again 
when Christ shows up again in fullness. You know, and the picture that I get from picturing Christ's resurrected body when he came out of the grave and he started walking around with his disciples, he was in his glorified body. There was there was connections to his human experience, but he was now living in his glorified body and he could do things like, you know, just phase through walls and, and, you know, show, he could time travel. He could show up here, show up there. So he existed in a glorified body, but outside of the, the bounds of space and time and matter. Um, so hit that, that dimension merged with this dimension for the amount of time that Christ was, walking around after his resurrection. And this, all of what you're saying resonates with me. And, and, and I've been thinking along a lot of the same lines, but to kind of give you a little background of going back to where I kind of started thinking about this same question, the perspective that I started with um, was more through a kind of scientific materialist view examining that a little more deeply. It, I wasn't coming at it from a religious question necessarily, but um, I'm not sure where to start here. I, there's a couple things that I just want to touch on that I love that you pointed out. One is that the source is love. God is love and God is source of everything. And that all that is good, true, and beautiful is a reflection of that, is a an image of that in some sense. And what we see, our ability to see God and his work in the world is based on what our perception is. We have, we can be locked in a perception that keeps us in a pattern of sin that leads to destruction, or we can have our eyes opened to the reality, ultimate reality, which is God God said that I am that I am. He is the, the ground of all being. He is ultimate reality. He is that eternal consciousness that is the creative source that holds everything together and from me, from which everything flows. And whether we are able to see that, and, and I think in the Bible it talks about that we can see through a glass darkly currently. Our present human experience has these limits to what we can see but that doesn't mean that that what's ultimately real doesn't lie beyond what we can see. So I think the the thing that I where it go, kind of what got me on this track was a, a scientist named Donald Hoffman, who um, he's kind of exploring at the edges of I, I think he's at UC Irvine, um, if I remember right. And I don't remember his specific specialty, but I think it's neuroscience. He also does some physics and stuff like that. But he has a fascinating, he's, well, let me just say more broadly that what I, I love and am excited about science is that when science is done properly, when, when things are observed and scientists speak truthfully about what they're seeing, I think that the created order will reveal to us more of these patterns that are true that, that God has already put in place, that these patterns that I talked about earlier, um, these energies yes. that hold everything together. And so the more that we yes, examine... Yes, there's so much to learn there. 
Yes. There's so much to learn there. Exactly. So Hoffman has been going down that route. I've noticed that a number of scientists who have come to God through the scientific path, not through the religious path. Um, I heard Andrew Huberman say to Lex Friedman a couple of weeks ago that he started praying. And really? you know, for, for a guy like Huberman, like that's a massive admission, right? He's a scientist, scientist. And he, you know, many scientists in, in that world would be strict materialist and, you know, they would be, Darwinists, which Darwin, the idea that um, evolution, you know, if we were just these beings of matter, and then from that matter, as we evolved, at some point, consciousness arose out of that, that consciousness consciousness was one of the potentialities that emerged from that evolutionary journey. That's Darwin's theory, and that's what many scientists would take from his theory is that their theory about consciousness is that it comes from its derivative from the space-time universe through the evolutionary process right and one of the things that hoffman has shown with and and i don't here i get to the limits of my understanding but he's using the mathematics of uh, evolutionary game theory and looking at and, and, and his theory, um, he's, he's essentially doing the math to prove out his theories. So, um, and I don't understand, you know, don't ask me to solve E equals MC squared, you know, Einstein's famous uh, equation for his proof for, um, I think it's the, his uh, general relativity, if I have that correct. Um, but that model, so Einstein's model of um, math, of, of physics, um, Euclidean geometry, um, Newtonian physics, all of that is is all kind of and, and, and Darwin's theory of evolution has been understood in that vein, in that interpretation of of reality, doing that math in particular. And what Hoffman is doing is is kind of probing and going, well, if you if you look at the way that um, traits, ad- adaptive traits evolve, he, he shows how consciousness actually pr- is, is outside of space-time. And he, he believes that he has, he, he would say he has mathematical proof that consciousness is outside of space-time, which would mean that it doesn't come from Space time. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't arise yeah. out of the the evolutionary process, and so he describes space time. So he says ultimate reality is is so complex that we wouldn't be able to interface with it in the same way that if you pick up your phone and you go, okay, well, what happens here when I send a text message to you? It, you know, I'm using this interface, and what ultimately happens is there's some electrical charges that happen that make that ha- you know make that text message transmit to you. And, but if I had to interface with those charges, 
those electrical charges directly. Every time I wanted to send a text message to you, I'd never send you a text message because it's endlessly complex. I can never figure it out. <laughs> so I have a, yeah. a an interface that makes that doable, that that simplifies it and makes it useful. And his position that I and I kind of like this. His position is that space and time and the idea of matter. And all of that is nothing more than a virtual reality headset that we put on in order to interface with ultimate reality. So he says that space-time arises from consciousness, not the other way around, which to me lines up with the idea that if God spoke the world into being, let's say that idea of the logos, and in John it talks about in the beginning was the word logos, and the word was with God and the word was God. And it later goes on to say that without him, there was not anything made that was made. So without the logos, there was nothing made. That was the, the, this eternal creative consciousness brought, brought the space-time order into being, right? And, and maybe the right way to think about it is that it, it, put, you know, it spoke the energies into, you know, into the right order so that these things manifest themselves to our consciousness. Hoffman says another thing that I kind of like, which is that as he investigates this, one of the things that he had, one of his theories about consciousness that he's come to is that we are all aspects of the same consciousness that is outside of space and time, which is really not that different an idea from us all being an image of the divine because our divine God that we talk about is outside of space and time. That's why we call him eternal. And we are all images of the divine and we all have that divine spirit in us. And Peterson points out nice that that actually lends itself nicely to the idea that the only thing that uh, an omniscient, omnipresent God lacks is limitation. It's the only thing God in our traditional description would lack is any kind of limitation. And perhaps as I've been thinking about that is if we all are each unique aspects of the divine and, and God's whole you know, if you are God, if you are this unlimited, ever-present, omniscient, all-knowing source of love, what you would do is is know more love. You would know it would be more love, and and perhaps through each one of us, through the perspective of each of us that we bring, our limited divine spirit and our limited sight in this space-time world that we live in, perhaps our role is to, to know God and to make him known and not least to himself, you know, through our limitations and our own, you know, our experience of life and our logos that we speak out, we can help, God to know himself more in some crude sense. 
um, because he knows something of himself and his world, his, his order, through Kent's eyes and through Patrick's eyes and through Mariana's eyes and Mary's eyes, you know, and it's, if you're an unlimited God, then the only way to get that is to create a limited creature that would share that perspective, you know, reveal that perspective. So that is an interesting idea. And I think it, it's an area where the, the science kind of dovetails nicely with what, the metaphysical things are that I, that I think the Bible reveals. Um, and I, I see a lot of that happening, but and one of the, you know, going back to Hoffman's idea that consciousness, that, that space time and our perception of space time arises out of consciousness. That opens a lot of doors. Um, and, and when I, when you go back to Genesis, and it says that after the fall, God's first words to Adam were, Adam, where are you? And if, if you think about the multidimensional world that, that God must live in, and our world is kind of this limited three-dimensional three perception, let's say, when, when Adam as a part of God's consciousness, when he collapsed into, when there was a fall, we don't know exactly how that happened, but what if God asking Adam was like, where are you in terms of, okay, you had been perceiving all of this. You had been walking with me unselfconsciously in the cool of the day in this kind of glorified state. And there was a spirit that animated itself that caused you to collapse, to fall into this limited perception. What do you see from where you're at? Where are you? And almost like what dimension are you in? Like if this space time part of existence is just this narrow narrow band of what's all ultimately all out there in God's great universe. Maybe that question had something to do with how small is your perception? I know you've fallen. What do you see? Where where are you in some sense? And that all leads me to, I have for the last several years been convinced, been convinced that the journey towards the end of the world doesn't look necessarily like moving towards some future apocalypse where everything burns up and is destroyed and then we go to some far off heaven in the sky. I don't perceive things that way at all. I do believe that we will be resurrected into a new earth that will be in some ways a lot like this one, but in our glorified bodies and without any sadness and without any sin and, you know, being able to see clearly and see um, Christ and to know him fully. And, And so that, I think, you know, the idea that consciousness exists outside of space and time, and we're just in this, time of that's all we see right now 
is that space-time universe. That's all that our consciousness is able. That's the interface that we're capable of managing right now. But that there's coming a time, you know, maybe death is the, the kind of graduation into not needing that limited headset anymore. And then you wake up on the other side of death, your spirit is resurrected. And I've had this perception for a while already that it, it's entirely possible that in the in the space that we're in today, physically speaking, there could uh, there could be other dimensions that those who have already died may be resurrected and may be living in glorified bodies in ways that we can't understand. They may actually have a more real experience of, of this earth. They may be having what we think of as presently, of course, they're outside of space and time, but they may be having a more full experience of life on this earth as we know it, but, but magnified than what we do. And they may be aware of us experiencing our more limited life and they met, they might understand the game more and go like, Oh, I see what's like, and they're because their perspective is of pure love. They see how it all, they, they see more and see how it all is working together. And that they're cheering us on in some sense. And they're wanting us to stay faithful and, and to get to death ready to, and, and at peace with, being resurrected into this new reality where Christ and, and that reality could be like you said, right here already, where it's just outside of our perception. But you mentioned that the idea of kingdom of heaven coming to earth, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We are in this place of overlap where the kingdom of heaven is breaking into our present reality and our ability to see that, Right. It's, it's again, it goes back to the issue of pers perspective and perception. Like, do you see it? Do you have the eyes of Christ? And can you see that the kingdom of heaven is breaking into our present reality? And and so we have this bifurcation where some people understand it and perceive it. And, and are they again, going back to the idea of you, you, you find what you're looking for. If your perception is that the kingdom of heaven is manifesting itself on the earth. And it's overlapping and breaking into our present reality. And that's what you're tuned into looking for. Then that's what you're going to create. And that's what you're going to see. And that's what you're going to experience. And that's going to be what you perceive. And if you think that the world is going to burn up in an apocalyptic terror, then perhaps that is also what you will see and experience. Yeah. Um. Jackson said something in the last couple of weeks that <clears throat> I thought was, honestly, I, I think it's one of the most profound things that I've ever heard said about death. Jackson is 11, and we were hanging out down here. This has never happened before, but it was super rare. And half of the kids, I guess it was just the boys, Marianne and I. And um, when he said it, I don't think Mariana really like it didn't it didn't like cause her to think quite like it did me. But he said, I don't understand why people are afraid to die when it happens to everyone. And I was like, oh, shit. That's. That's a good point. That 
we are designed, it's clearly part of the design at this point for our physical bodies to be born, to have this interface for some period of time, and then for this physical body to die. It happens to everyone. And it's not the end of the story. But even in terms of like, I think you might be scared of it, I guess, if you were fixated on knowing exactly what's going to happen after you die. And and you were trying to make sense of that in your mind. Or maybe you feel a discord in your life about how you're living it, but you know it's dissonant, discordant, or something with like the, re, the actual reality around you, and you know something's off, and then you wonder how that's going to go for you when you die. I think those are fair fears. But if, you know, we are part of something bigger and there is a design and, you know, you look out and you see these beautiful trees right now. Well, you know, one thing that's going to happen when you die physically is if you give it enough of time, your body's going to absorb completely into the earth and you're going to be part of that beautiful tree. And that's kind of beautiful. And then um, you can trust yourself into the design, I guess, is what I was hearing Jackson say, is everyone who's ever lived, they've died. So why are we afraid of it? It's part of the, it's part of the design. And, um, and I, I thought that was pretty profound. Now, do you think, um, oh, by the way, can I just throw this in there since you read the first Peter or second Peter verse? Because this was the verse that talks to about this is, it says uh, in Second Thessalonians 1, 9, it says, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. Because our testimony, he was believed. Now, I have a little footnote in my Bible, and it says, here's another way you could read that little section of the verse. It says, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. The other way you can read that is they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction that comes from the presence of the Lord. Mm. And that's what I'm talking about, about this righteousness flooding everything and any badness will be burnt up. It will be evaporated. And that's also congruent with this idea that one day everything sad will come untrue. Maybe it comes untrue. Maybe it gets burnt away. The memories are burnt away. The the history is burnt away. The deeds are burnt away. It's all burnt away. It's gone mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, too, Patrick, is it's not like, you know, we're going to be here experiencing this present moment and all of a sudden, whoosh, the glory of the Lord is released in its full capacity everywhere all at once. And it's like, oh, whoa, that just happened. You know, I, I don't. My understanding is that that's probably not how it's going to happen, but Jesus has some things to do in that period of time, and Jesus is going to, I guess, we're going to be aware of his presence here, or he's going to come back, if you will. Um, I don't know. Shoot, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm just saying, I think it sounds to me like there is a period of time where Jesus has some shit to take care of. And 
that is going to go well for everyone who is of good and has eternal life. And that is not going to go well if you have spent your life fighting, tearing down, belittling, persecuting, abusing, taking advantage, manipulating, self-gain. You know what I mean? If yeah. you are not of eternal life, I don't think that whatever business Jesus has to do for some period of time there, that is not going to go well for you. And maybe that's when you realize that your soul is being snuffed out or is about to be snuffed out or it's an, you're about it, to go off into separation forever. It's an interesting um, thing to think about because it actually what I think of is a friend of mine who described his DMT trip to me. One of the things that he experienced when he, he started journeying was a, well, you often hear people that talk about a psychedelic trip, but there's an ego death component of it. Like your identity dies, your identity, who you think of as yourself kind of melts away. And that happened to him. And then whatever was left of him, this kind of essence, this, you know, ephemeral soul part of him, he said it, he just felt himself float out into space, float out, float out, float out. And he started getting more and more the perception of being alone, utterly alone. And he said he got to a place where he was so alone and so dead. He thought he was like, he thought he had died and he thought this was it. You know, it was very real to him. It wasn't just something that, you know, it was, he thought that this is what was happening. That's the nature of those kinds of journeys. Um, they, they seem more real than real. Like they're, and so he's out there and he remembers thinking that if he could only, like he was so alone and so insignificant and so just bereft of any connection with anything, the lack of connection was total. He remembers begging, pleading God, thinking that if he could only come back as an insect, even just an insect would have that connection with something else, that he would be thrilled to only be an insect, even if that's all he could ever be again. It would be much better than this alone and disconnected place he was in out having floated away in outer space. And that's the image that I get when you talk about the soul, the, the, the extinguishing of life without the presence of eternal life. And I'm really glad that you said that because that in this conversation has been by far the best description of what I think that would be like because I do think it's entirely possible there's people that are listening to this and thinking, oh, well, your soul's just going to drift off into nothingness. And shoot, if there's not a physical fire to burn in forever, how bad can that really be? And what, what I would say to that is then we have not done a proper job describing the absolute terror and horror of what that must be like because I'm not shocked at all that that was his experience and he would just want to come back and be an insect 
Um, yeah. There is a terror of the soul that I think you can miss if you're so wrapped up in the physical and you don't spend time thinking about or in the spiritual. And the, the only kind of categories you have are physical. Well, shoot, if there's not a physical fire, how bad can that really be? It's just over. Well, I think that's part of what the Bible's talking about, which is like we see things, we just see things so much in the physical, but the real battles are fought in the, in the spiritual. And I, but I also do think, I'd be curious to know if, what you think about this, but <clears throat> it seems to me that people that have their awareness heightened about some of these non-physical, spiritual realms or states, people that have had experiences with certain, um, you know, psychedelics or certain plants or certain <laughs> roots, <laughs> um, certain things like that, that they tend to pretty readily understand the terror that might be involved here. Yeah. Would you yeah, agree this, with that? This friend of mine was traumatized for six months. You know, he, he cried for three months and was traumatized for the better part of actually a year, really. But the first six months were really difficult after that experience. Um, he, he, when he came back, he was so delighted to discover love, rediscover love and connection with another human being and, and what it means to actually be connected and not be alone and all of that. But that was an, a brutal experience. And I don't think we have any idea to, to minimize it in any way as somewhat somehow less terrible than burning, you know, is just to reveal our ignorance about what it's like to be alone, to be not connected to life yeah. and love. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, some people would probably disagree with me on this and that's fine. They might be right. But some of these things that can cause these experiences are natural, which means they were created, which means they were part of the design. And if you use them correctly and with the right intent, they can be helpful sometimes in understanding some of these mysteries that yeah. can go completely. You can look over, you can just miss completely. Um, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. yeah. I think the, it goes back to the idea and, of perception. You know, with perception, it's like, we, if we, if what we see, if what we believe we see is this story about, you know, lack and competition, and I have to, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps, and I have to get ahead, and I have to do that at the expense of other people, and if they have a bigger piece of the pie, I get a smaller piece. You know, all of these non-kingdom of heaven ideas. Let's say, if that's if we're locked into that perception, and we consume some kind of substance like, you know, a, a mushroom or something like that. And it alters our perception so that we begin to see that, ah, maybe there is something bigger going on here. Maybe I'm a part of something bigger that's abundant and that I don't, you know, and it, it does. It, it helps open people. It can help 
open people's eyes to the reality that they are a part of something bigger than themselves and can point them, you know, to journey in that direction, I think. And if what you said is true, which it absolutely sounds like it is to me, in my very limited understanding, that consciousness is out there, it's outside of space and time, and the physical, that all came from this consciousness. I think what does happen, you know, I mean, I've heard it enough in you know, people talking on podcasts or in books or in experiences or in Netflix shows at this point that, you know, you take a certain mushroom, for example, most of the people are talking about this experience of love and light. And it's like they're tapping into and something that's out there. And, you know, I'm not so sure it's not God. And, you know, is it every time? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, but but it seems like it's consistent enough that it seems to not be coincidence. And, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm not talking about freaking opioids and I'm not talking about cocaine. You know what I mean? Like, right. But, but I'm talking about a certain, um, well, mushrooms in particular, that people seem to experience an inordinate amount of time, some experience of light and love and warmth and goodness that I, I mean, I am curious, like if, if those things were put here for our benefit in certain times and, and anyone's that try that stuff is, you know, you know, you're not going to get hooked on it. It's not like you're going <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, it's not like, Oh, let's do this for fun. Right. You know, um, not, not exactly, but fun. it doesn't really, no, it's not. And it doesn't, um, but it doesn't really fit the, I guess, the narrative, you know, and I wonder if that's why it's been demonized a little bit. But, um, you know, but we can maybe talk another time more about that. But um, but I just kind of, I do wonder if it seems like common enough that people's consciousness are being opened in certain ways that they don't experience in the day-to-day of life. And I just, and I kind of wonder, you know, if they're actually experiencing a little bit more in that moment than they and they sometimes think they are. Well, yeah, you know, it, when I think about the people who are listening to this, to us talk and what their experience of life is and what story that they think that they're in, in my, in my mind, what story you think you're in is really the, what creates the meaning that you assign to certain things, whether it's mushrooms or you name it. Um, a nice car, what does that mean to you? Well, it depends on what story that you're embedded in, the meaning that you put behind that car. You know, it's like meaning comes from the stories that we tell. And a big part, I think, of journeying with Christ is to, to continue to wake up to the fact that we're embedded in a love story, that we're a part of this grand love story that the whole purpose of which is to wake up to that reality and to live into the reality of God on earth and be the ministers of reconciliation that the Bible talks about as being, 
you know, reconciliation is to put things in right relationship with each other. So as we open our eyes to those truths, to the truth that that God's love is the highest thing and his truth is the highest thing and everything is ordered in that along those patterns. And when we spend ourselves, we, we get up every day and we step into that story that we get to bring our creative and truthful speech and our loving presence to bear in order to put things in right relationship with with God and with each other. Like that's what brings about this reality of heaven on earth is God's people waking up to that and starting to live out that story that we've already Like we don't need to worry about the end because the end has already been prescribed in some sense. It's already been shown that death isn't final. We saw the resurrection of Christ. We believe in our own bodily resurrection. We know that there's an eternal presence, something outside of our perception. And we're going to, we're, you know, our getting up every day and living into that story is what brings that story fulfillment in our lives and in, in the greater world. And I, as I think about who's listening to this and, you know, as they think about their marriages and their relationship with their kids and their jobs and their callings and their purpose and whether they're achieving their goals or whether they're uh, perceiving that they're making progress in the world, whatever that means, whether they're growing forward or whether they're feeling more and more limited and locked up and alone it does like the, the only difference between those two directions is your perception of it. It's like, do you experience this connection and love or are you experiencing a perception of disconnect of brokenness, of collapse of, of entropy, or is it of things becoming more well-ordered? And, you know, when I, just to tie another um, statement from Christ into this is like, Well, when I get up every day and I live into my story, I could live a a, a lot of different ways. But if I believe in Jesus, let's say, and and that's an embodied belief that love is the highest pattern that I can live my life to, because that's what Jesus came and revealed that in order to be truly human, you need to sacrificially love. And you need to, you know, that he gave us a model to follow in that. So if I sacrificially love, if I orient my life towards the highest thing that I can conceptualize in my little limited perceptions, like, well, what would it look like to live into love in, and, and create an embodied truth that that's what I believe? Like, not just in my head, but like, this is what I believe with my life, that love is the highest thing, that love ultimately prevails that love is the ultimate pattern of everything, that it, that it all comes from that and returns to that. It's like, well, what does that look like? Well, if, if, it, if love means that it has to be good for you and it has to be good for everybody, then it actually is a wildly narrow way. Like for me to say, I'm going to live my life in a way that's good for the people around me and it's good for their future selves because they're people too. And it's good for me and my family and our future selves and that of our offspring. 
Well, to choose a path through life that is good for all of those people simultaneously is a confront to empire, A, because empire is based on limits, on greediness, on competition, on lack, and all of that power. It's like, no, I'm going to seek to live my life in a way that's not only good for me and my community, but all of those people extended into an eternal future. That's an impossibly narrow path. That path of action is so narrow that I can't find it in my own limited perception. There is, the only way to come to that path is the path of Christ. It's the path of truthful speech, self-sacrificial love, and a non-anxious presence in this world. And that path is the only way that you'll have a chance at living the kind of life that you just, you know, that you say you want to live when you say you believe in Christ. It's like, if you believe in Christ, then you want his kingdom to be made manifest on the earth. It's like, well, I can't do that on my own. I, the only way I do that is to, is to map my life onto the reality of the resurrected Christ in this space time universe I'm in and, and speak the truth about what I see what I'm experiencing and what's being revealed to me and live by the spirit empowering me to be, to be love in the situations that I'm in. It's like, that's the only way that you get to the promised land in some sense. And, you know, it's the only way that you, no one comes to the father, but by me, but by me, no one lives in accordance to the, that way, that impossibly high standard, that's good for me and good for my community and all of us into the future forever and ever. Amen. No one lives like that except by Christ. Yes. And Patrick, would following that through your life, could you not also define that as the will of God? Like, could that not also be thought of as following God's will in your life or for your life? And I think that answer is yes. Yeah. Like, you know how I think it's, and maybe there's a space for this too. Maybe there's a category for this too. Maybe this is also part of the thing is like, but what I also know is way more common is to wonder I'm in college and now what's God's will for my life? You know, mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about getting married or not. I wonder if this is God's will for my life. You know, we, we, we think in terms of God's will for our life as a little more tactical. Should I do this or should I do this? Is God's will for me to do this or do this, to move here or to stay here? And maybe that's fine. Maybe it's there's room for both. <laughs> but But I wonder if sometimes that's a little bit like um, seeing the narrow and kind of missing the bigger picture or, totally. or, or, you know, and, 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 and maybe, maybe, uh, like missing the more important thing, which is not so much about exactly where you live, or maybe not so much about exactly what you're doing for a job, or maybe not, you know, whether you have, you know, three kids or four or no kids at all. Maybe it's actually less about that tactical stuff and a little bit more about, um, following that 
thread through life that you just described because that thread does change. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you can do the most good for yourself and your family and your community and society in sort of one direction or doing one thing. And then another period of life, it's a little bit different. And, but the, but what you're following is exactly what you just said is this truth and love and the maximum good for all through that. And, um, I just think, and, and, and this was, this is the other thing then that, that came up on Thursday night, which was the question of that Mariana was like, in terms of, you know, building or in thinking of, you know, this is a, another kind of common question is like, you know, how do you know if you're building out a selfish ambition or how do you know if enough is enough or how do you know if you've had enough or whatever? And I'm just thinking, I don't, I don't know that that's actually the point. I think the point is, it seems to me is the Bible talks a lot about how you are oriented in your life and in your belief and your thought processes and your worldview. And, you know, it describes the things that we, it describes the state that we should always be in. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, forbearance, forgiveness. Um, What if that's the point? And if you can stay in that realm, if you can stay on that path, do whatever you want. Have as much fun as you want. Make as much money as you want. It doesn't matter. Anything that's done ultimately out of sin or selfish ambition is going to get burned away anyway. It's not to belittle that. Like There are consequences for that. We want to avoid that. But my point is it doesn't matter if you're trying to be a millionaire or a hundred millionaire or a billionaire or you don't give two shits about money. Like it, That's not the point. The point is to stay in this state of goodness. Um, what do you think about that? I like that perception a lot. It it resonates with me. And I I think, you know, you might say it doesn't matter or maybe the the, even expanding on that. Maybe it's just that when those things are nested inside of the your higher order goals, if you're pointed in the right direction, you're you're aiming, you know, it kind of gets to the idea of sin being you're missing the mark if you sin. So if you have your highest order aim, which is I want to live a life, let's say in my the way I would describe it is I want to live a life that is maximally like living out the Christ life in as Patrick. Right. And so what does that look like? It looks maximally loving, maximally truthful, maximally present, all of that. Um, I, I do believe that we can have faith that when we do that, that we can follow our desires, the desires that God has placed in our heart. And those will guide us along that path of life, the things that present themselves as interesting and fascinating and engaging and engrossing to us, if we have our life structured along that path of, I'm moving towards love, I'm becoming love, I am love and I'm becoming more love. And I speak the truth, I listen to the still small voice that is the spirit of God speaking to me inside of me. And I don't negotiate with that voice. I try, I do my best to, to just live it out. Like then I think the world is our oyster and the desires that he's placed in our heart are a good and true guide. It's when we miss the mark. It's when we don't have that aim established of what is it that we're actually aiming at. And that's when our 
short-term desires, wants, appetites can take us, lead us astray is because it's like, well, what, what do I want? I want maximal goodness, truth, goodness, and beauty. You know, if you think of those as aspects of love, it's like, I want to produce that in my life with, you know, by living out this pattern of Christ in my life. Then, you know, the things that come to us each day, it's like, yes, they are, they guide us through life in some sense. It's like the, there's a new opportunity and we can go and we can do that business and, and make a billion dollars. And, and, you know, if that's a part of that life that you're, that you, that I've just laid out, then great. Like that's awesome. You know, it's, we do think of it much too narrowly, the will of God, I think. I think you're very much onto something there. Yeah. I agree. And you said something that I was just about to comment on in the state of mind. Um. We often think of belief as this thing that we just, have in our heads that we can state to someone like it's just a proposition right. that you can agree with me about or disagree with me about i believe in x right or i believe in y and what i believe is that what you believe is what you live how you act is yeah. what you believe yes not what you say exactly not what you say you believe it's what you actually do right that's okay. what you believe so if you believe yeah, in Christ, true. you know, that's, then that's how that's you're you're patterning your patterning your life into that reality. It's not that you've got your mental furniture arranged in some narrow way specifically to be correct about. Exactly. And that that's a whole podcast right there. <laughs> yeah. But this was the uh the thing that I wanted to say is just keep in mind that anything you do that is out of sin, that is out of missing the mark, that is not helpful, that is not out of love for yourself, for those closest to you, for society, etc., you are wasting your time. It's going to burn away. It's not going to matter. It will be consumed one day. And so that it, it, it actually has a maybe even a more eternal consequence than you might think in the moment. Maybe you're thinking in the moment, it's like, well, that made me feel a little gross. You know, that, that made me feel bad. And then you ask forgiveness and you move on. And yes, there is forgiveness. And yes, you should move on. But you planted a seed in the wrong direction. You're growing something that is not only going to be wiped away at some point, but now it's taking up space in your life. And... You know, I think of, you know, the destructive power of porn is is probably maybe the best current example of this because it is very destructive and it does take up a lot of space in your life and it does cause you to have a different perception of yourself, let alone others. Um, and it can rob you of a lot of efficient, good works, you know, in this life. And ultimately, all that the the bullshit that that created in your life, it's all going to get wiped away. And then what do you have left? And, you know, if, if what all we're saying is true, then the best way we can be spending our time is on things that are going to last, things that are going to be eternal, uh, things that are, because that's, that's the only thing that we are actually building that's going to last. 
And so, you know, just limiting, limiting the time and attention of resources that get devoted to things that are not going to last, I guess, is, is, um, you know, one of the important things in this life that we're talking about. Yeah. And I don't want people when they hear you say that to think that that means all material things. You know, I think we live in a, we come from a culture that um, lives out a lot of platonic errors, meaning that they, they confuse the material with the profane and the spiritual with the sacred. And that's not a helpful distinction. I don't think Um, because, uh, you know, to reestablish what we said earlier, everything matters in God's kingdom. Like this pen matters in God's kingdom. It's not that, you know, that this Bible, you know, is materially sacred and this, this glass, this cup is materially profane or anything like that. We, we, we like to think of the world in that, in those ways, but that's, I think a very limiting um, and an incorrect way to, to think. So, but I think you're absolutely right that we, when we spend our time and attention on things that lead us to destruction, because it does talk about sin leads us to destruction and sin leads to death. And just from, you mentioned porn. So I'll just riff off of that a little bit. Like in my own journey, after spending 20 years with that relationship with porn, I know that I know the destructive element of it. And I, it, I'm not even talking about, you know, it's easy to think of destruction, spiritual destruction and all of that as some future threat of, of a future suffering, but it's, it actually corrupts your hardware for picking up on the signals in reality that, that align you to the next to, to where God is like to, to where, well, it, it, what's the word language I want to pick for this? It, okay. So going back to our dopaminergic system, right. Is it's a, an incentive and reward system that is a brain chemical that when we are making progress towards something that we value, it, it releases dopamine and it feels good. And it keeps us on the path to doing more of that. It also, um, reinforces the patterns that lead to the release of the dopamine. So it's like when we corrupt that by spending that, by using, by it's almost a false idol in that sense. It's like, I'm instead of aiming at God and based on that, living out this path of journeying towards him by like this, Christ is my aim. Christ is my pattern. It's like, I'm, setting up my goals and activities and actions and all that along that path. And in that hierarchy, like instead of that, it's just, I'm, I just want the immediate short-term gratification without doing the work, without doing the sacrifice. I don't want to do the hard work and spend the time to get there. I just want to do, I want to get the feeling of connection and intimacy and the reward of that, the pleasure of that in this moment. But when you do that, yeah, not only are you wasting that time, but you're also corrupting your your apparatus inside your body that can tune you into the transcendent, right? And I think that's why ultimately sin leads to destruction and death because you go down that path far enough and long enough, you actually are not able to pick up those signals anymore. Like even the the base, you know, and, and I've 
had to undergo years of healing, intentional healing patterns and therapies and journeying in order to regrow and rebuild the incentive reward system in my brain to align it to the higher patterns and not just go after the short-term hedonic pleasure that, that it had gotten corrupted by. So it's not just a waste of time in the present to spend doing on something that's going to burn away. It's also burning away something right now, which is it's burning away your creative capacity and your capacity for picking up the signals that God has put into the universe that can orient you towards the good, towards the best in your life. So if you really want the best of yourself to come about, like you can cut that off. And, and you can sear that or, or weld that, that, you know, the input for that in your life, you can sear that off and not listen to that anymore. You won't hear it anymore because the sin has actually corrupted. And it, it's just, you know, it's like if you take so much cocaine that your dopaminergic system just breaks down because it's overloaded, you won't be able to get any pleasure anymore. You won't be able to feel that pleasure anymore. It just like you can break yourself that way. The same thing with porn. You can actually break down and corrupt those, you know, and there is a a healing, like when you come to Christ, yes, there's healing there and you are, those chains are, you know, taken off of you and you can finally run free. However, the journey back to health in those ways is not, in my situation, I can say was not an immediate thing. Like I have had to I've, it's been a long, intentional journey of healing to bring those systems back in alignment with the patterns of Christ. And I wanted to go back to your thoughts on what's up with the dead right now. But for, I saw you wrestling in the Bible. Was there a verse you wanted to pull out there before we go back to that? Uh, it was something you had said earlier that I had thought of that was in Matthew 25. When Jesus is talking about the final judgment, I just had to think about those who, it's that whole thing. It's like, when did we not visit you? You know, when did we not feed you? When did we not call you? And all of that. Jesus is saying, and I will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So, you know, this, this idea of eternal punishment, it's like if, if I've lived my life according to the wrong patterns and the wrong principles and the wrong goals and hierarchies and systems, and I have not sowed into the kingdom of eternal life, I have not invested in, I haven't clothed the, the, the naked and visited the prison and, you know, fed the hungry. If I haven't done that both actually and metaphorically speaking, then when, when I die, I die. I don't go on into eternal life. You know, I think is kind of back to that idea. Exactly right. So let me ask you those that have eternal life that currently are physically dead, their bodies are dead. 
they're underground, they're becoming part of the earth as we speak, physically. Do you think that they are alive around us in spirit? Is that what you were saying earlier? Uh, possibly even in body. Um, yes. I, so obviously they're outside of time and space. So the idea of waiting until we die for the judgment to happen and all of that, like that's a perception that we're forced into by our limited space-time model. But when you die, your spirit leaves your body, you're also outside of time now. So I think that it might be more useful to think of us experiencing this little sliver of reality here in space-time. And that when we die, we just awaken into the reality of our resurrected body and with Christ okay. and, and that that might be going okay. on around us to, right now in ways that we don't perceive. Interesting. Okay. So that's not, was not on my radar. And then let me ask you this is then, isn't there a verse that says something about the, my understanding of it was the dead saints that they are yearning for the resurrection when they will be reunited with their bodies. How would you think about that? Yeah, if that's if what yeah, you're that's is true. If that's the case, then then. But again, that that idea that that conception kind of again is would be accurate coming from a space time perspective. But sure, <laughs> you know, if you yeah. kind yeah. of let yourself think outside of that reality, because they are outside of the reality of space time. You sure. know, is so if you if you die and that's like taking the headset off let's say and you know then you yep. aw awaken to the fact that oh man i was in this beautiful but very limited game and now this is actually what's true and real it's like awe and wonder all the time you know yep. and um you you might be right and you know, this is again, just again, my perception. I don't, I'm not an expert, and probably even experts have no clue. But, um, you know, I am of the thinking currently that there is not a physical heaven up in the sky somewhere. There is not right now, and there is not going to be one day when we're all in heaven. And that actually the heavens and the earth will become one and there will be a, a redemption and a renewal of some kind happening and then there is the new heavens and the new earth and the big idea is there that essentially ultimately heaven is going to be on earth and probably more of it is here than we can even pick up on currently i could be wrong that's my perception of things though and uh, but what i was thinking was that the those that have eternal life and then are now dead, which it's millions and millions, maybe even billions of people, right? <laughs> uh, that that is now true of that their bodies are currently underground, they're decaying, they have become part of the earth or are becoming part of the earth as we speak, but their spirits are alive and their spirits possibly are actually around us. We just can't see them because they're not physical. Um, and the Spirit of God is obviously around us, and, and, and He is everywhere. Now, Jesus, if He's if He's physically here, then it's definitely a different reality. Otherwise, we'd be seeing Him. Um, but but the big idea here is that it would explain, I guess, 
partly, I mean, this is just a hypothesis, but it, it would explain partly why we still feel a closeness with those that have died. And the Bible also does talk about the saints sort of like viewing us or cheering us on. It could explain that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so who knows? Who knows? I guess it, it, it doesn't ultimately matter a ton, but, uh, yeah, but that's I, how I've been thinking. Well, I, that aligns with what I think, too, in that I've had some experiences where I've been on the spiritual journey that I'm on. I had an uncle who was um, who who passed away and he was. He was a big influence on me and he he kind of started certain paths of exploration kind of from our family. He was the first kind of one that left the, the community and went out into the world and you know, went to college and did all that, but he, he, he went ahead and then he passed too young in my, you know, from our way of seeing it. But I have sensed him and sensed as I've gone on a journey that has in some ways mirrored his, I have sensed his presence with me more than once. And in one occasion I would say I, it almost felt like I could see his eyes like, it, I had this kind of cloudy, it wasn't, it was kind of like a vision in a way, but it was just this something that it, it just seemed like he was communicating something to me non-verbally, affirming me in my journey with God and kind of encouraging me to stay faithful and to, you know, and and he seemed to be thankful that I had awakened to God. Like it was what I was kind of picturing or picking up. And so the idea that he's, you know, in, in a dimension that I can't perceive, but, but present, um, I don't struggle. Like it doesn't seem like outside of the bounds of reality to me at all. I, I think that's likely the case. Agreed. And, you know, my personal, again, hypothesis, that's all it is right now is that, when someone dies that their their spirit obviously remains living um you know the working theory is that the spirit actually remains around us but there wouldn't really be an emitting center necessarily because it's a spirit but its strongest you sense their spirit the most the soonest after they die and then as time goes on, you sense their spirit less, um, but that spirit is still around us. I mean, my experience with my dad was, and I, and I, and I haven't gotten a chance to talk to too many other people that have experienced, um, you know, loss close to, to ask them about this, but I kind of sense that they, they might say the same thing, but, but I don't know. But my experience was that, the pain, the amount of pain that I was feeling, because it's always, you know, it, it, it bumps around, but it's, it is, it is sort of like the most at the beginning. Um, that amount of pain was always in direct correlation to how near I felt my dad to be in his spirit. Mm. And, you know, maybe you're just saying, look, man, that's just your memory of him. Well, what is a memory if it's not their spirit in some right. way? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and so, 
you know, now here I am, you know, that was 1994. So uh, how many years later are we? A couple of decades now. And the pain is not nearly as searing anymore. But also, I don't feel the constant nearness of the spirit nearly like as much as I did at the beginning either. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the thing I wanted to point out with that, the main point I wanted to make with that was, and I think it's just kind of cool how this is built into the design, is I've always felt like the pain was always in direct correlation. The amount of pain was always in direct correlation to the closeness of his spirit that I could feel. And over wow. time, again, it bumps all around. It bumps all around. It goes up and down or whatever. But generally speaking, over time, the pain does go down. Also, over time, the awareness of the fullness or closeness of the spirit also goes down. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's almost like that's how it's kind of designed. Um, but, you know, who knows exactly if that's accurate or not. It's just what I have felt. But, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I guess I probably wouldn't. I probably, I, I, there is the theory too that they are just asleep right now. And I don't have a problem with that. Um, I'm just not totally sure personally myself that's what's going on right now. Yeah. Well, if if their spirit is a part of God's eternal spirit, and I believe we all are a part of God's eternal spirit, we're all connected and we come from that source. And if we're not connected to that, like we cease to exist. So, and that exists outside of space time. So, you know, they're, they're no longer in a space time universe, whatever the case might be. So whether they're sleeping or resurrected, you know, um, in some having already there again is a space time word, um, already resurrected, you know, is they wouldn't, they wouldn't think of it that way because they, there's not a before and an after when you're outside of space time, but um, sure, you're right. Um, so I need to wrap this up soon, Patrick. But um, well, first of all, you just about to say something. No, I, I was just thinking about another. It's probably best to leave for another podcast. It's a topic we could explore. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'll just jot it down. We'll re- pick no, that well, up. We, well, at least tell us what you were thinking of. We can talk about it later in depth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to riff a little bit on the idea that our um, if, if consciousness gives rise to the space-time universe that we're in, you know, that, that well, we should just explore that idea a little bit because that kind of speaks to the observer effect in quantum physics where in order for something to exist, it has to be perceived. Um, yeah. And if our consciousness is creating everything that we see around us in, on a real time basis in, in a, in a collaborative sh- and shared way all the time, like that kind of interesting idea, but yeah, yeah, no doubt. Cause then it really does matter well, like how you think and what you think, because that's what you're creating and that's what you're seeing. And yeah. But see, I think, I think that's more true than we notice on the day to day. And it's backed up by a lot of different things. Like, you know, I've heard someone say our biggest battles are fought, are fought between our ears. And I agree with that. And if you think about the amount of time, the amount of words 
that the Bible expends to talk about our thinking and our orientation and our state and our beliefs even and our all these different it's a lot it's mo it's it's most of it <laughs> right it's like right. it's always trying to tell us the most important things are these values and and if you can stay right with these intangibles then have as much fun as you can with the tangibles that's what they're there for they're not evil right it's all good i mean ecclesiastes that has to be one of the messages in Ecclesiastes. Right. Um, you know, but unfortunately that, you know, it is, I mean, this was, this was, this was the thing we were talking about the, the other night at the end was like, shoot, if this is right, what, what I was talking about, um, and it, and it, look, it might not be, but if it is, then Let's be honest, it is a little bit of a shame, this idea of apocalypse, hold on until every guy can come back and burn everything up, and then the good guys are going to get to go to heaven with God, and the bad guys, they're going to be over here burning in this physical fire forever. We probably won't ever think of them, hopefully we won't think of them. If we do think of them, it won't make us sad because we're in heaven, but they're just going to be over there just getting the shit burned out of them forever. Like, it... it there's a little bit of a loss there. I mean, you know, I think. Yeah. If that is sort of the thinking and it's not true. And, um, you know, I'm not enough of a scholar or theologian to know this, but I do know, like, some of these beliefs have come in at various points in history. And it would be interesting to have someone talk to that one, for example. Like, yeah. where did this thinking come from? that you know it's apocalyptic and it's the end time and it's left behind and it's you know um where did that come from did christians always believe that is this a more recent belief and um because that is very much sort of the way i was sort of brought up believing and, and i and i know for sure that that belief extends far outside of just our sort of very particular or unique or very concentrated sort of belief system that we were raised in. Um, but yeah, I do, but, but I guess it's, it, I'm not saying that in terms of like, I want to point fingers. I'm just saying that in terms of like, I think there is a little bit of a loss there, you know, if that Absolutely. is the belief system and it's not true, but Absolutely. I would and readily say though, that may, maybe it is true. You know, I, I don't, I don't. Well, it certainly orients us to paying attention to noticing and filling our minds and our phone screens with images of apocalypse and violence and, and all of that. And, you know, to the extent yeah. that that's what we keep feeding, that's what grows. And so I think there is a real loss there. It It's, I think, not... Agreed. And like, you know... I was just going to say, it's not, it doesn't lead to seeing more of the kingdom of heaven manifest on the earth. And, and that's where I guess I sort of get the most confidence in some of these beliefs is, you know, I could be right, I could be wrong, but it's been my experience personally, I can't speak for anyone else, that some of these newer ways of thinking 
they are they make God higher in my mind. They make him more powerful. They make him more, um, I guess, tangible, more felt. Um, my whole vision of reality is increased. The, my whole thinking into the future, my hope, it's up. My love is up. Um, you know, it's like, hey, even if it's wrong, it's doing the, the right things. <laughs> you know, so um, it, it has that going for it. That's right. Well, I think that's one of the things that I'm hoping we can unpack on this podcast um, is what are the patterns for life, for abundant life, for real, true humanity, um, you know, as exemplified by Christ? And how do we live that out in our businesses, in our marriages, our parenting, all of that is how do we set right, set things into right relationship with, with each other um, in the right order and produce maximal human flourishing around us. I think it's one of the things I'm yes. most compelled by. And I feel like these conversations always give me new food for thought when I'm thinking about that. Yes, I love that. And, um, you know, I can't think of a better person to have those conversations with. And even like with what's happening in Israel right now, you know, one could say, boy, it feels a lot like the end times, right? You know? And hey, maybe they're right, but you know, how about a couple of years ago when Gaza invaded then? How about in 2014 when Gaza invaded then? How about in 1973, you know, in the Six Day War? Was that the end times? How about the Holocaust? Was that end times? I mean, we could just keep going back and back. Right. And you're not going to find a lack of wars happening and invasion happening and bad guys coming from the east, possibly, and right. all of this different stuff. I mean, I don't want to make light. Of, I don't want to make light of it, but. Um, but there is a thought process out there. Also, there is an interpretation about some of this prophetic literature that says that it's less about prophesying one point in time. And it's more about saying, this is how the cycle of existence is going to be until you get to the resurrection. Mm. The bad guys invade, then there's doom, then there's renewal, then there's, you know, rebirth. And then, and then, you go through, and I don't know if that's a 100-year cycle, 200-year cycle, doesn't matter. I'm sure they, they, they change. But the main point is, like, in Daniel, in Revelation, in some of these books of prophecy, it's less about prophesying one point in time. And I, and I know for a fact there are theologians that would say it's not saying it's building up to one big prophecy. It's just saying this is how it's going to happen. There are cycles right. of this, and it's going to be that way until Jesus comes back and sets all things new. <laughs> right. Which, to me, honestly— to me, makes a lot of sense um, mm-hmm. because I remember when I was 15, I was very intrigued by prophecy. I got this from my mom. Um, and, uh, and, and, dude, I was studying it. I was reading it, listening to the cassette tapes. I was, you know, I was real into it. And, um, and my grandpa, laughed. my dad's dad was, dude, he knew everything about Israel, bro. I mean, he, and, but I don't think he was really, I forget kind of where he kind of landed on the kind of the, the prophecy stuff, but he would definitely, he kept up with the details over there. And, um, you know, I remember hearing about Yasser Arafat a lot, you know, this is my grandpa when I was a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I was definitely in, interested and intrigued by it all. And then, um, but I've been hearing about it for a long time, you know, and, but you know, I'm not that old. So again, I don't want to take my little, 
experience of life and say this must be true because this has been my experience but but uh i have lived long enough now to experience certain things that were physically happening around us that could cause someone to be like yep the end is about to happen absolutely and guess what it doesn't and then things kind of <laughs> things kind of settle down and then yeah. a while later it's like whoop the end's about to happen that doesn't a little while later things kind of settle down so the interpretation of some of these things being so, sort of like cyclical kind of it does make sense to me totally well we should do an episode i gotta wrap up here but that we should do an episode talking about um are the different views that are prevalent in terms of eschatology and end times. Maybe we could even have another guest on here. That's uh, well-versed in these things that we could go around on, on that, go around that circle. If you that'd be one, we should have another, that'd be one. We should have another guest on for sure. Um, Let's just fun. Let's wrap it up. Anything you want to say in closing? No, it's been a delight to spend the last couple hours talking about this stuff with you. And I look forward to the future. Uh, thanks to those listening and watching, I pray that you would find patterns of human flourishing in your life, that you would discover these nuggets of truth that point you toward the transcendent good that your soul is seeking. And um, if we can be a part of that in any way, that would just be a, an extra blessing. So thanks, Kent. It's been real. Yep. All right. Love you, Patrick. Love, Love you, you all. Too, man. Bye. See you. Try to catch me hollering at some-